0: the innovation side of it you know if, if, if we need to test something it would normally come to australia first uh, if we validate it and say yep guys this is good stuff it's, it's given us x y productivity gains
1: g'day and welcome to the farms vice podcast with your host jack creswell whether you farm it service it or just love it this podcast is for you We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the Farms of ice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farms of ice and let's get into this episode. G'day farmers and welcome to the Case IH series. Very excited for this one to get away where we dive behind the wheel of different pieces of machinery dive into some industry insights and also some game-changing technology that's happening out in the paddock and also in the shed and your office this week we have pete mccann the gm for australia and new zealand who loves the brand of casa h and what it stands for he's excited to see what the future of farming looks like for within australia but also globally so let's get into the very first episode of this series Pete, welcome to the Farms Service podcast. Very excited to get this series underway, working with the team at KSOH. Um, Very professional sort of fit out there and great to see the team up at AgQuip also. I think that was pretty good. Haven't actually had the opportunity to see everyone before who I've spoken to, so it's great to have you on.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad we've been able to, uh, to catch up and, and give the listeners a bit of an insight.
1: Absolutely and especially we're probably leading into harvest. It's been a bit of a difficult one for a fair few out there uh, with the downpour that we've had probably more so on the east coast um, right from Queensland down to Victoria and Tasmania down the bottom there. Um, But before we get into some agribusiness today, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where did Pete McCann come from and what's your background?
0: Um, I'm from a family farm out near, uh, Dubbo, uh, about an hour out of Dubbo. Um, and, uh, again, growing up on the farm, I got into, um, everything like most farm kids do, driving trucks, you know, working with livestock. Um, I guess my parents and I had different ideas. My parents are very, um, animal husbandry. I wasn't much of an animal person. I was more of a machinery and horsepower person um and kind of went into really kind of got into the Broadacre side of it through um auto steer um when it predominantly kind of kicked off when it was very expensive and a little bit of the unknown to where we had huge adoption um and then it became the norm of of most growers you know if you you haven't got it you know you probably need it and most people have got it so um so that's been that was an interesting ride for ten years, um, and then got an opportunity to work for Case H um, just as a regional sales guy, uh, running around looking after the northern region. Um, so the kind of from Gun to Windy all the way down to Parks, um, and then slowly progressed over the last thirteen years um, to uh, get to the point of general manager for Australia and New Zealand. So it's been a fantastic ride. We've had some good years, some hard years, but. It's all part of the challenge, really.
1: Yeah, beautiful. You would have seen a fair few transition there within agricultural space, and with the machinery coming through within thirteen years, there's a fair few models within that. What sort? What was the sort of big uh, pivot transition that you saw, other than the auto steer coming in for farmers?
0: Well, I think controlled traffic. was a a huge benefit to us. I think when you look at globally where, you know, we've got the highest adoption rate of controlled traffic. Um, And I think our farmers are are very good at, you know, making sure we get the most productivity. I think we have to, Uh, you know, we don't have the subsidies, we don't have the government support, like a lot of other countries do. So um, seeing the auto steer side of it with controlled traffic take off, Um, like I I always compare it back to uh, mechanisation. To have a technology be adopted that quickly over the space of really kind of four years um, in in the peak of auto steer was just unbelievable. Um, I I actually don't even think autonomy will take off as quick as auto steer did um, in the future, but it it definitely has its place for sure, especially with our labour shortages and, and other um government challenges that we have currently
1: yeah regulatory going into it as well but for case i h what are some of the key trends that you're seeing on the other side of the desk from your point of view that farmers are looking for and you've got your controlled traffic but what are those sort of larger value items what's happening with those key trends
0: i think from a key trends point of view uh it's still relying heavily back on productivity. Um, you know, we see the automation in our combines again, you know, when I was driving a Clayson, Clayson 1770, you, you know, you were kind of told how to set it all up and, and you went on what your boss told you uh, Where now we're kind of taking it back and using the data. We're collecting these from machines to actually make them run uh, better, more efficiently, more productivity. Um, and then, obviously, the the the, the long term goal is uptime. Keep them moving. You know, keep those wheels rolling.
1: Absolutely, and it probably transcends into another episode later down the track with KSH with the the ability to use AFS um, and managing your data and seeing what we can do to increase our productivity and that efficiency rate, whether from harvest planning time as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it's definitely, uh, I guess I've always related it back to the scorecard. You know, I guess in the old days uh, view of yield mapping the scorecard was at the end uh, where we would take that PCMCA card and put it in a desk and go, I might look at that one day. Where now we're trying to actually, you know, harness that live data and make a change during uh, a process or a job. Um, whether it be recording weather data for uh, environmental, or you know, looking at getting using a protein monitor and actually saying, okay, how you know how much N have we taken out of the soil? All right, we, you know we need to focus on this next year and get it up to the actual level of the rest of the paddock. So again, trying to make every square meter pay um, on a consistent basis across the the farm, whichever way, shape or form it, it sits in.
1: Yeah, I think so, especially where property prices are. I think farmers are looking to optimise every square inch of the dirt that they're currently running at the moment to put it into crop or even if you are livestock farmers or something like that. Especially for the croppers, to improve your yield is phenomenal for each harvest.
0: Oh yeah, and I think over the years we've seen some fantastic increases. Um, you know what we can grow off an extremely small amount of water now is is phenomenal. You know, I, I'd be as far enough to say that it's it's you know it, it's by far some of the strongest in the world. Um, but as I said, we are very good at what we do in in regards to maximising every drop of rain. Yeah, um, and I think we have to. We don't have a choice.
1: Yeah, absolutely throughout the drought sort of periods, those drier periods, and also into the sort of La Nina impacts that we're seeing today for it. But for, um, I actually saw a video of yourself of wet and the statement, leading statement was the day the farm changed. But what was the day that case sort of changed from traditional to digital? Was it leading into auto steer or is it more g- gathering the data to see how that we can actually manage... Um, what we're doing on farm. At Case IH, we know you're the ones out there tending to the earth before the day begins and long after it ends. So the least we can do is go along for the ride. Our dealers will be on call and call outs, help bit by bit and share the grit. They'll source the parts and play their part to reduce your downtime. From sun up to tools down, it's what you do it's what we do. It's the least Case IH can do. To find your nearest Case IH dealer, visit caseih.com forward slash ANZ. Look,
0: our journey um, from, uh, I guess, the data collection side of it, or, or more of the data representation was really with the AFS um, yield monitors way back when. Um, that was where we really kicked off. You know, there was only a handful of of uh manufacturers that were doing yield monitoring you know we were very excited when we used to have on the run moisture um and that's pretty well grown through our dna through all of our products um again like our our fallout just there in the internet there is always connectivity issues which is always i think going to plague us a little bit in australia um but it's more about I guess, looking at the trends, um, you know, machine data for me is, is extremely important. And I guess one thing I always try and premise in, in any of these interviews to a certain point is that the agronomic data is not my data. That's the dealer's data. The, uh, sorry, not dealer, the customer's data. You know, that's his scorecard on how he's progressing. What I like to uh, understand is how our machines are performing. How can we make a change, whether it be in future development, whether it be a phone call from a dealer to say, you know, you have an alert where we actually come out prior to something happening and keep you moving. You know, we work with the farmer to say, well, all right, at harvest time. I'm stopping for a half hour to do servicing. You can come out then and change whatever you need to change. I think that data for all of our growers is, is especially powerful to the point where it really cements us as being a business partner. I want to make sure that machine does not stop you know, I don't want to be the reason you didn't get your crop in on time. Um, and I think the more engagement we can have between the dealer, the customer, and obviously the manufacturer being Case IH, I think we can actually offer those growers a fantastic service of uptime um, targets to say, "Yep, yeah, you know, we'll keep you going. Um, you know, we're using that from a parts data point of it to see what are we, what are we going through the most? And then coming back to look at warranty data you know and then going back even further in regards to saying you know what, what what are our customers buying what are they changing you know how many times are they changing that bearing we've sold a lot of those bearings maybe it's not a good bearing you know and there's hundreds of ways we can use this data but i guess my my real premise is to the to the listeners is that agronomic data is got nothing to do with me. That's completely yours. That's your scorecard to work with your agron- agronomist to make sure where you can see improvements. Let me look after the machinery. That's what we do. Yeah. Um we're not agronomists, nowhere near it. Um but what we do know is machinery and how to make it perform.
1: It's pretty cool for farmers to know like to keep them on the go because they're running in front of storm fronts trying to get the crop off, especially very time sensitive um, now and the harvest period's probably gotten shorter but it's probably yeah. a little bit more stressful in terms of dealing with this current climate that we have you can't really pick when the next storm's coming um, or the forecasters can't anyway but for that are farmers actually keeping up with the pace of the technology changes with machinery and how it can actually improve their farm
0: Oh, I think so. Uh, there's always, you know, uh, varying levels, but I think also that falls a lot on us, the manufacturer um, and the dealer, to make sure we're we're educating them. You know, it's kind of that old theory of buying a car, and you know, eight months down the track, you work out it can do X, Y, and Z. Well, it would have been handy to know that at the point of sale. So, you know, we're, we've endeavoured on a very big. Um, scheduled to actually get direct feedback from our customers um, to understand. So we survey them multiple times at the point of purchase um, after certain points in, I guess, the own owning um, life cycle to say, how's it going? Where can we improve and et cetera. So we're constantly bringing that, again, another line of data back into our business to say, okay, what are we not, what are we doing well and what are we not doing so well? Um, and like anyone these days, I think, we're all very information hungry, but also very time poor. Um, So it's about trying to, you know, in the old days, we could have a training school prior to harvest, but as you've said, the seasons are changing so much. We're kind of planting around seasonal changes as opposed to saying, you know, we always did training at this month. A lot of the times now we can't do that because someone's harvesting or someone's planting. So, we've got to be flexible with own, not only just the platform we roll out the training, but also how do we engage the dealers as well? Um, you know, I want every customer to have an enjoyable experience and know the full capacity of that machine when it arrives on their farm um, because they have changed so much over, you know, from the old four, two, five Stigers and stuff like that. It, it's a very, they're very different machines now.
1: Yeah. I think the, the relationship side of it anyway, people tend to buy what that service is able to pick up on the other side of that. And what Case is doing is going a long way to helping those farmers stay on the road, stay on the crops for harvesting time, but also right the way through planning time. Um, and also into that smaller machinery. I had a glimpse into the sugar industry with Lawrence, mm. a great episode of his coming up. Um, but all the same sort of values are coming through in the different sectors of the industry. Looking to get yeah, a- that think- off,
0: yeah, and I definitely think so. And, you know, Lawrence is a, is a perfect example um, of just, I guess, that tie back to, again, going back to our heritage with Austoff. Um, You know, the, the sugar industry in comparison to other um, countries is not as big, but it is very important because, again, we lead the innovation side of it. You know, if, if, if we need to test something, it would normally come to Australia first. Uh, if we validate it and say, "Yep, guys, this is good stuff." It's it's given us X, Y productivity gains that will then be rolled out to Brazil, to Thailand, to you know, into Florida. So I think Australia presents a very unique um, platform for all manufacturers um, because we demand so much of our machines, whether it be tires, belts, bearings, you know, fuel efficiency, etc. Our demand is 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 very high. Um, and we're fortunate enough to have such large areas um, in important in, in places like Griffith and, you know, in the Downs and et cetera, where we get those two crops a year. So we get a great window of hours to do testing. Um, when North America doesn't get that, Canada not so much, um, and, and Brazil's a bit, bit hit and miss. So I think it's, it's important. Um, and I've always been a big fan of validating equipment in Australia before we open it up
1: to Australia
0: um just from a i guess from just a peace of mind standpoint
1: do you think the relationship between case dealerships with across canada the us even europe um that they play the same sort of role or does it change with the farming landscape as well
0: no i think it. they're, they're definitely very similar um you know regardless of where you go for Uh, country-wise, for a Case H, they're all extremely passionate about about the brand, Um, and I think we do go over and above from a service point of view. Um, And the other part of it, if you look at the alignment, you know, from a concept side of it, we farm relatively similar to North America and Canada, but then if you look at New Zealand, it's a very European-based farming you know, they, they they do a lot of ploughing and a lot of deep tillage. So it's very, very similar to the to Europe. So um, there's definitely some nuances uh, between all the regions, but I think we do have one very strong common goal in regards to giving our growers the best they can get, um, especially at the time they need it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And for farmers in twenty two and 2023 coming into it anyway, um, there will be a fair few going in harvest, in 23-2, I imagine. But how are farmers actually better utilising their equipment on farm to get the most out of it? Have you seen behind the desk there at KSOH and what the farmers are wanting from their equipment? Has that changed over time?
0: Yeah, I probably don't. Uh, it, it has changed. Um, I think we're getting a, a lot better at forward planning. Um, you know, we saw with COVID come in, there were definitely park shortages and et cetera, just from the global demand um where we actually saw a lot of our our producers kind of stock up in house as opposed to reliance on the dealer um now you know we could you could compare it to toilet roll in the old you know a few years back you know we can't have enough of that yep. so there was that side of it um we always have a a fantastic um uptake of pre-harvest inspections um where the dealer actually goes over the machines and kind of gives them a, a list of of what's good bad and and ugly um so I think they're using, again, that, that stream of data to say, okay, what, what have I got here? What does the dealer need to do? And they're, and they're forward planning. And I think we're also seeing that with sales. You know, we know it's very difficult now to walk into a dealership and buy a tractor like it was five, six years ago. Um, everyone seems to be planning so further out now. You know, you're out into the 24s and 25s, um, which is, which is a, a challenging thing to predict um we don't know what the seasons are going to be like um you know as much as the rain is is definitely going to damage some crop like from a from a dam storage point of view and from a profile point of view you know you you couldn't get any better maybe just not at harvest time but when it's harvest time for someone else it's planting for cotton so it's you know it's a it's it swings and roundabouts definitely
1: yeah 100 percent. and across from utilizing the equipment better Farmers will be looking at efficiencies and productivity um, in their time and also getting the most value out of that machinery, keeping it on the go. But what are you doing in-house to improve that efficiency and productivity? Is it you're looking at improving the yields, Talking, if you're talking about the headers? Yeah,
0: it's probably improving from a machinery side of it, uh, improving the... Information back to the grower, like the protein monitor that we've we've been putting on a lot of combines over the last couple of years. Um, and then also really just making sure we've got, you know, to keep those guys moving, um, whether it be the 2am phone or the scheduled servicing. Um, and And as I said previously, I think we're getting better at planning. You know, we're doing that pre work beforehand. We know harvest is coming. Um, I probably wouldn't mind seeing it a little bit more for planting tractors. I think planting, we we do a lot of work on the on the planting rig, yeah. but then we, you know, we drop the drawbar pin and 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 hammer it. Um, where it's like, well, it's probably no difference. You shouldn't be doing the same kind of prep for your planting tractor as opposed uh, as your harvester. Yeah. So. You know, but I think guys are, are, uh, are definitely were getting better planned for sure, especially over the last couple of years. You know, we went through some pretty rough times in the on the eastern side with the drought. There was a lot of machines that were very underutilized, and then it rained, and they were overutilized to the point where it was there's so much crop. You know, we need more, or we, we're gonna we're gonna push it harder with a wet harvest. Well, obviously that presents a lot of different um, challenges um, whether it's getting bogged whether it's even even to the point of just making sure if we do get bogged towing it out properly you know we've seen machines over the years where they haven't towed them out properly and it just throws everything out of kilter so I guess my only wish is we know everyone's under the pump but just take your time and do it well and also be very safe because we know when we're under the pump People are rushed, you know, accidents happen. And that's one thing we definitely don't want.
1: Absolutely. But throughout the transition into digital for the machinery, you think that fatigue has sort of improved, keeping the driver, the operator less fatigued um, with this sort of tools that they're given within the machinery?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, it's probably a hard one to put a real yes, no comment to, because it's the old days. And when I was driving a tractor, you drove the tractor and you kept awake cause you had to drive, you were concentrating. Um, you know, obviously there's the alarms and boundary alarms and, and, um, et cetera. But I think we have kind of taken the pressure off a little bit. Um, you know, an old contractor I worked for years ago when I was 19, there was no radios in the, in the combine. You weren't allowed to listen to the radio to listen to the combine. Um, auto steer kind of, I think everyone got very relaxed with it. So there probably was a little bit of sleeping on the job. Um, and we have seen some, some pretty, uh, you know, horrific accidents from that. Um, autonomy, you know, that's a different level. I I guess, you know, when we get to the autonomy level, the machine will actually stop, you know, whether you, whether you're in it or not, it will say, I'm not happy. I'm not going any further. Why? Um, so I think we will get back to a point of, of, Probably giving people a, a bit more time to probably rest. I guess if we can take some of those uh, long houred uh, jobs out of the rotation or even to the point of just limiting them, being having that opportunity to say actually no, I can spray this paddock autonomously. You know I may still have to sit there and view it, or I may have to be doing X or y but I think it will give us a little bit more time to to probably work on some other things on the farm at that point, but that still is a little while away yet. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it leads us into that question for what, what do you think the future looks like for case H and autonomous working with tractors and what sort of work is going on behind the scenes?
0: Yeah, well, I think at the Farm Progress show, we uh, launched the Autonomous Trident, which is our um, kind of a high-rise spreader, I yeah. suppose you would call it. Um, very focused in North America for for corn production with the with the height. Um, again, I think that was a, a really good taste test of, of what we can achieve. Um, and there are machines out in North America running at the moment um our acquisition of raven was a very important acquisition to the point that it brought a lot of additional and uh technology into our business um i think from our point from an australian farming point of view and this is excluding new zealand at the moment is that you know our guys are very keen for it um they are you know the the labor shortage where the it's McDonald's or the local hotel or the local pub or the farm, you know, the labor just not there at the moment. So I think that we, is having an impact on our timeliness to the field. Um, it's certainly from my point of view, a race for the manufacturers to, to get there first, I guess. Um, but we also want to make sure, I guess with having a machine of that size, um, the safety aspect is, is paramount um, from that point of view. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a very interesting five to 10 years. Um, I I would compare it to auto steer. It will be extremely interesting to see, is it big machines? Is it it a fleet of small machines? You know, that's still a question that really hasn't been answered. And I don't know if we ever will answer it, to be honest, because I think it'll be situational. If if you've got the machines and I can come to you with an add-on and say, hey, keep your current machines, we put this in and it goes, or you've got to
1: get rid of those and buy these.
0: Um, there's so many different solutions, um, I think, that'll be on the market in a very short amount of time.
1: Yeah, there's what might be like the old Tesla outfit, if anyone knows about it. They're looking to use their programming in there to take those cars autonomous. So maybe farmers out there, we may already have the equipment um, to take it to that next level of what you're doing at Case and also that, race, that great race that you talk about.
0: Yeah, well, I think, you know, and we've seen it, you know, we've all farming full of machines that you use for a month a year. Yeah, you know I mean, yep, i got to have this machine. I only need it for a month. Oh, I think it's about trying to harness what we have on farm, um, again, because I think access-wise, that'll give a lot more producers access to this technology. Um, you know, we're taking... Small steps through the through IH. You know we've got headland management now and headland turning. So we're automating all that. Yes, you're still sitting in the seat, but it's dropping gears, it's dropping the machine um, in at the right point, and etc. So we are, I guess, slowly bringing it in different pieces at a time. Um, there are definitely some some um, processes that we could make uh, a lot better in regards to, you know, harvesting to be able to drive one and manage another two. Yeah. Um, or uh, we've also, uh, at Farm Progress Show, they had on on display the um, the automated chaser bin, um, where it matches your, obviously, your tractor speed uh, to make sure that, you know, we're going at the 60-foot fronts now. That front's getting awfully close to that tractor. um. So there's there's some certainly some great advances coming through, and then we look at the vineyard side of it. You know the the, the misting of the of the vines. The vines never move; they're always there, so it's a fixed point. Um, so there's a heap of of opportunity, I think, uh, from that point of view.
1: Do you think autonomous goes to um, throw away the stigma of bitter, bigger is better when operating in the equipment, and maybe that might pull down the size of our machinery to work couple of machines in the paddocks and um, let them run 24 hours in 10 mm. years or so?
0: Yeah, I think it'll really come down to maintenance. Um, you know, whether it's, if it's a power unit with four wheels, um, you know, the the overall cost uh, over, let's say for pick a number, five of those compared to two Stigers or whichever way you were looking, I think that's what it all kind of that return on investment um and and how well that works i know the swarm farm guys are are kicking some goals which is great to see especially in australia from an australian product um and as i said there may be ebbs and flows of what suits you know we all started off with light bars and thought that was fantastic no more foam markers and then everyone went well hold on you know now i can well i don't have to touch steering wheel anymore and then we obviously went to rtk and went well hold on we can interro cultivate i can sideband fertilizer. You know that's another another uh, productivity jump on this current equipment. So I, I think once our producers get a hold of it, the opportunities are literally endless from that point so, of view.
1: What would be the highest in demand for autonomous? Do you think later down the track, planting and obviously like mid crop spraying instead of harvesting, or is harvesting uh, the focus?
0: I'd probably say harvesting and spraying from where I sit now. I think, you know, planting until we get smart implements, I think there's still that, you know, there's the opportunity of blocking up and, you know, we've all done that before. You know, we pick an extra gear and go, you know, I'm pumping after the rain, we pick up some stubble and we're we're digging a, a really nice culvert straight through the paddock if we're not keeping an eye on it. So I think once we see the smart implements come where they've got blockage sensors and et cetera, and blockage not from a seed flow but more from an implement blockage, you know, where the machine would stop, lift up, clear out, drop down, go again. I actually think our quickest uptake will be pretty well spreading, spraying and harvesting. Now, keep in mind with spraying, we've got to be monitoring 120-foot 120 fo- 120 boom or 137 or however big your boom is. Spreading's not, and this is why we went down the trident line first with our product is spreading, we are just got to look after the machine. Yeah. Um harvesting, I think, is a is a huge tick box for me. Um, especially if you were ever if if the opportunity comes up to drive one and drone a couple, um, you know, you're operating three combines at once with one operator. Um, and then obviously the chase bin side of it, you know, that. You know, we all know the Chaser bin drivers usually got the busiest job out of anybody, um, going backwards and forwards. So yeah, I think the I think the planting will be a little later, personally, um, from my from my own opinion.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good viewpoint of it as well. There was actually a bit of a debate last harvest about who's more important, the the Chase of bin driver or the header driver. And where do you see that for yourself? Yeah I, oh, yeah,
0: I guess, you know, you can't, there's, there's, you can't put a cost on a very good chaser bin driver. Um, you know, it was always, the, I always used to think when you were driving the chaser bin, the days used to fly by because you were flat out, especially if you're chasing for two or three machines and it's a good drop. Um, and also there, you know, negotiating power poles, the combine, the front the, you know, probably being chipped by truck drivers for not putting it in the right spot. You know, there's the whole, it is a very stressful part of the business, I think. Um, but yeah, it's probably hard to put on who's who's more important. I guess the grain's got to be taken away to keep those uh, those fronts and the, and the combines moving.
1: We'll have to see coming up into this harvest this year. And hopefully you get a good crop off wherever you're listening from for this year. But what are you most excited about coming into the next five years for H as the brand and also working with the farmers. What gets you excited?
0: Oh, I think, I guess I was fortunate enough last week to go down and have a look at our, the three Stigers we've just put into Antarctica, um, cool. which was, you know, that's been a three-year project. The, the three 500 Stigers that have been heavily modified. Um, I always enjoy those visits because it gets me out of behind the desk and you can see where some of the hard work came from um and what it went into um but i really think i i guess being a bit of a tech nerd um from my previous days it's all really about how we harness this data you know i want to be able to get in front of a farmer and say you know the data i'm collecting from that machine that's running will improve your business because i'm actually going to be in touch with you on on before stuff happens uh, how you're operating it how you can make it more productive and et cetera. So I think that whole part of it yeah. and the autonomy is just, is, it's an exciting time to me in agriculture for sure.
1: Yeah, I think so rather than autonomous machinery, first of all, automatically sort of connecting um, without having to join the dossier cells. So with AFS, you got the equipment speaking to each other and delivering that data so that you can actually take some decisions off the back of that as well.
0: Yeah, and I think our biggest challenge at the moment is just getting the connectivity. You know, I, I think I think all of the manufacturers waiting waiting around for one of the big telcos to do something is never going to happen. We, we you know we pretty pretty well have to go out and own it ourselves and and try and just get get our farmers more connected, um and and really drive that whole live that live wire point where you know we're we're able to feed that information back instantaneously, um, which is going to which was always going to be the biggest challenge. Um, It wasn't as bad with RTK because you'd go and put a tower up and say, right, you got 10Ks, you know, go your hardest. But I think this is a whole different level um, from that point of view. And I just don't – I think even as much as we rally and and get into the political side of it, I I just – I don't think we're ever going to get the kind of love that we need from the big telcos. The the volume of people just aren't there, So, which is a shame.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. But for yourself, Pete, after speaking on this episode – what would be your one piece of farms advice you'd like a farmer out there that's going into harvest um for this year or even putting in their summer crop if it's not uh, too wet for them? What would be your one piece of farms advice?
0: Oh, I think just don't rush. Yeah. Like it, you know, we see some horrendous stuff when people are rushed and under the pump. Um, you know, it it's it won't be a... it won't be uh question of how much grain the grain cart or the chase of bin drivers dropped. I think it's who doesn't get bogged for the day is going to be probably more on the Eastern side. So I guess be careful. Um, the Western guys over in the West have already started um, and they're going to have an absolute uh, terror of a crop over there from, from all reports. But I think number one is just be safe is the biggest thing. You know, we know farming is, is one of the most dangerous professions around and, when we've got a million things on our mind, we don't always think safe. So that's probably my biggest wish. Um, Every Let's get through it and line up again in March to do it again.
1: 100% paramount to the industry and also the individual operating the machine as well. But for anyone looking to contact the team or we'll see what you get up to yourself, Pete, where can we go to search for oh, to um, what you're probably- doing to lead the industry?
0: Yeah, probably uh, Twitter's the best one um, to Thank find you. me on. Um, so, yeah, I try and take a few snapshots of, of when I'm doing interesting stuff as opposed to sitting in front of, on a Teams meeting all day. Yep. Um But, yeah, that's probably the best bit. And there's a, a fair few of the product management boys are on there as well, so it says what they do. Um, we've never been ones to sit in the background. Um, so, yeah, no, it, it's, uh, it's definitely a good time to be in ag for sure.
1: 100% and I'll add those into the show notes so if you want to add Pete on Twitter you can see what they get up to as the head of ANZ for KSIH it's pretty exciting to see what you get up to um, there as GMs. Pete, thank you very very much for coming on to Farmswise Podcast and all the KSIH series
0: No worries Jack and any time and, and uh, good luck with harvest or planting and or planting um, and yeah have a have
1: a be safe This Farms Advice episode does not stop here. Come and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or TikTok and even join our Facebook group. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more on this episode and spread the hashtag Farms Advice to your mates. If you can leave a review on Apple or Spotify, that will let other farmers find us too. But until then, see you next Tuesday. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farmswise podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people today.